0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Good
1: morning and welcome, welcome, welcome. It is great to have you with me again for another powerful week of 1111 Talk Radio. I'm very excited. To have a repeat guest, Mark Nepo, back on today, and we are going to discuss his brilliant, brilliant, beautiful new book. But before we dive into that, I wanted to make sure that you knew that the October issue of Eleven Eleven Magazine is out. It is powerful and it is beautiful, and it celebrates six different individuals and their beautiful work in the world. So definitely go to the website. Uh, and check out the digital magazine. It is always free and available for you to empower you, to inspire you, and to aliven you. This month's issue is called uh, windows, w- windows of Wonder, and um, there's a part in Mark Nepo's new book that is called Love Your Window, where he writes, of the many windows we have into life, it is through the window of our eyes that we take in the vastness of experience, Through the window of our mind, we take in the endless patterns that help us understand the web of life. And through the window of our heart, we feel the thousand ways we are affected by other life, the thousand ways we are each other. So it is imperative that we love our windows and care for them. And so I thought that was really a beautiful uh, beautiful touch in, in regard to the theme of the new issue as well as a segue into the beautiful show that we are going to have Today, on Mark Nepo's new book, Drinking from the River of Light, The Life of Expression. Mark is a poet and a philosopher who has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for over 40 years. A number one New York Times bestselling author, he has published 21 books and recorded 14 audio projects. As a cancer survivor, Mark devotes his writing and teaching to the journey of inner transformation and the life of relationship. His work has been translated into more than 20 languages, and you can find out more at com. I'll also give you some other information about him as we move through the show. But let me share a little bit in the book before we bring him on. The reward for working hard and long at being thoroughly human is that you begin to discover and inhabit the instrument that is you. And the gift for being an instrument is threefold. We are at last of use, we help repair the world, and we are played like a reed by the wind. Against all odds, being an instrument lets us carry truth and give away tenderness. When so deeply engaged, we become finely tuned beings, and despite our wildest ambitions, There can be no greater destiny than to convey the larger universe through the truth of who we are. For when we express, when we let out what is in, regardless of how, we are drinking from the river of light. And that act, that devotion, allows us to glimpse the fabric of the universe and the web of connection that holds life together. Glimpsing this, we are forever enlivened. Again, this is from Drinking, from the River of Light. Welcome, Mark, back to 1111 Talk Radio. It is fabulous to have you here again and delightful to share this book.
2: Oh, thank you so much. It's a joy to be with you again as well, and I'm so glad that the the new book is with you, really.
1: (laughs) Well, this book speaks, um, and I can say this personally for me, the book speaks to the soul of the creative. And for those that do not believe they are creative, I feel it courts the creative that is buried within. It is a book about the art of expressing ourselves and um, essentially our creative capacity and and how to allow that to uh, be who we really are and be the vessel of that, which you so beautifully and eloquently share within the book in a very, very powerful way. You oh. talk about finding the one form that will welcome questions that liberate the mind. I found that to be so powerful um, in that section of the book because so many people think that they don't have uh, the creativity or they don't take the time or life kind of runs past them so quickly that they don't realize the uh, necessity uh, of expression. So, talk a little bit about, number one, how this book came into being and (laughs) why inhabiting the art of expressing ourselves is really so important, not only to our own lives, but to how we impact the world.
2: Sure. Thank you so much. And and I really do, and, and at the heart of the book, I do believe that that everyone, everyone has expressive capacity, and it is necessary. So let me back up and share a little bit how the, the book came into being, which I think is a real example of that. So, you know, the publisher sounds true as is one of my publishers, and they're so fantastic. And um, uh, several years ago, in 2012, 13, 14, um, for a few years, oh, Sounds True was doing a wake-up festival, which was out in Estes Park, which I taught at. And Tammy Simon, the wonderful founder and director of of all of Sounds True, she had asked me if I would be willing to offer a two-day Pre, pre-festival intensive workshop on writing and spiritual growth. Well, that's like asking a kid if he wants to spend the afternoon in the candy store. <laughs> um, so I immediately said, of course, yes. Um, and, uh, and so I did that. We did it two years in a row. And that led me as a teacher to outline this expressive journey that's really everyone's. And after that, it stayed with me and... I also had had a, a, for a lifelong kind of overall bin or file where I was keeping stories from all different arts, uh, from musicians, painters, sculptors, writers. And I also had another f- overall bin or file where I was keeping uh, all kinds of stories about teaching um, and not formal teaching, but teaching and learning out in the world. So. So I, after I had done these these conferences, I one day, um, I just had an intuition to throw all three of those into one big thing together, and just see how. And then I just listened, and they started to shape into this book, um, and and so that's how this book started to come into being. and 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 so let me talk about a little bit about. Um, What I mean by that we all have this expressive capacity and we all need to inhabit it. And I think this is really informed by, as you know from my work and our talks before, my being a long-term cancer survivor. I'm 68 and in my 30s, you know, I almost died from a rare form of lymphoma. and feel blessed to be here at all. And on the other side of that, everything, my understanding of art and expression had changed. and I guess the best way, and I use this in the beginning of the book to, to talk about this, is to use the analogy of breathing. You know, we're, we, we all are here, you and I, for this hour, we're breathing. And we can't say, well, just for this hour, we'll inhale only. No, that's not going to work. And, and the way the heart breathes, the heart breathes, it inhales by feeling and perceiving and it exhales through a very personal form of expression and it's it's not about whether what we express is great or some famous work of art or lasting it, it's that we each have to express. That's how the heart breathes. That's how we stay whole and well. And so it's more about our inhabiting that and discovering for each of us how is it that our heart breathes. What does that look like and feel like? It could so so yes, we use the arts as examples, but let's broaden it to you know. It could be gardening. It could be stamp collecting. It could be taking apart car engines and putting them back together. It could be doing, you know, working at a pantry where you live and offering free meals to homeless people. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that your heart expresses itself because what is not expressed is depressed. And so it's very key to our, our ongoing health. And we're so you know, um, imprinted by the manufacturing model, even with good intent, even around art, we want to produce art that will be excellent or great or beautiful and that it will last. And you know, I have found that, that the way a flame automatically gives off heat if I stay true <clears throat> to what it means to be fully alive chances are I'll do good work but if I work really hard to to do good work I'm not so sure I'll be true and so it's shifted you know I think art <clears throat> is this expressive journey by which we are transformed more than we transform material
1: That line that you stated uh, was one of the lines I highlighted in the book, and it was uh, to bend our will to give voice to life and its rhythms. Uh, After your struggles with cancer, you began to learn that what is not expressed is depressed. And so often, and I know personally, when when something hits your life and it it feels like a storm and it completely throws you uh, off your rhythm and your balance and your trajectory that you were on, it can be a struggle to to find that stability again and to find that ability to to even give voice to what you want to express. And And many years ago, someone said to me, depression is a cry for creativity. So this is very much in alignment with that mm-hmm. statement as well. And so to find that place of expression so that, that individuals do not go into depression uh, what is the, the beginning place to really allow the expressive nature to unearth? And I know the whole book is about that. And There's so sure. many beautiful tips and, and guidelines and exercises throughout this book that really allow an individual to deepen into their creative capacity. But what would you say is the single most, uh, whether it's you looking back at your cancer journey,
2: or anything yeah. else that's
1: happened in your life that has initiated you back into expression.
2: So I think I think the, the, and for anyone who's listening, I think the 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 continual endless way to begin for me is to to be fu- and this is a quiet courage is for every one of us to be fully present and to lean in, holding nothing back. When the difficulties of life push us away, our job is to lean back in and we can practice leaning in when we're not pushed away, but we really need it when fear, pain, worry, anxiety uh, push us away and grief, loss. <clears throat> and that's when we need wherever we are, because the miracle is everywhere. The miracle of life is always emanating everywhere everywhere and we are the ones being human who come in and out of being able to touch it, to apprehend it, to receive it. So the f- the first thing for me that helps is to give my full attention to wherever whatever's before me, wherever I am so that I can start to be again in the stream of life in conversation with life, receiving the resources of life and when we do this <clears throat> we all know that at some point when we stop and really give our attention all of a sudden that's when that piece of glass in the alley glitters in an extra real way and we go what's wait a minute what's that or when the bird flutters all of a sudden behind us and it leaves the tree and then the leaves all of a sudden are in the in a wind that captures us and we go, Wow, that's kinda glowing. What's going on there? Well, I believe that life is always glowing and we move in and out of being touched by that luminous luminous quality. So, you know, this leads to a um a chapter in the book which is about giving attention versus getting attention and you know in the outer world as we make our way and we apply for jobs and we try to locate ourselves you know it you know we always are told or taught that we need to get attention to get ahead but in order to live in the world of meaning to rise ourselves out of the the shrouds and the tanglements that living In 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 unavoidably unavoidably offers us, um, you know we have to give attention to get a heart. You know, when I started uh, writing, I think, um, you know, as a little boy, it was to try to keep wonder in view a little longer. It's like I would see something. Or perceive something and then it would start to vanish. I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't get it. Hold on. And I would start to kind of write or sketch with words to try to keep it in view so I could be with it a little longer. And um, and I think that we are suffering in our modern world because we, we desperately want to be recognized and verified when the wonder of life fills us and brings us alive, when we recognize and verify whatever is in front of us.
1: Giving attention, you say, steers us back to center. It opens the vitality of the universe and brings us back into the stream of oneness. Giving attention is connective. On the other hand, getting attention is a form of drifting from center. It, If attention comes your way, well, enjoy, but cultivating it and seeking its paddling away from center. Getting attention is deceptively isolating, and it ultimately leads to being seen but not held. This is part of what is from the book Drinking from the River of Light. As one form of expression, writing, whatever form it takes poetry, story, memoir, or reflection is a personal and necessary conversation with the universe. And while there are many outstanding books that focus on the craft and language, Mark's book focuses on the irrepressible aspects of expression, how the forces of life enter us and leave us, and what they do to us on their way through. The exercises throughout are intended to introduce you to the skills of vision, perception, feeling, and articulation, which are the veins and arteries by which spirit moves between us and the world. So whether you consider yourself an artist or not, you perceive and express as a way to extract what is essential to live. Uh, this book has multitude of exercises. Part one is the basic human truths that describes the ongoing relationship between the forces of life and your human nature. Part two is being shaped by life and shows how the forces of life shape you, refining how you take in experience and how you turn what you experience into acts of care and expression. Part three is the deeper you go. Details how how you can inhabit a lifelong practice of listening expressing and creating and part four is becoming one with which examines the rhythms and wakefulness and sensitivity that open before you as you get closer and closer to life again this is from drinking from the river of light and it is by mark nepo you can find out more at marknepo.com or threeintentions.com. we'll be right back after these messages
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 1-11, 11, 11 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and empowered
3: Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: You can find all of the archives of a lot of wonderful interviews if you scroll down on the show page so that you can catch up at any time. There are other interviews of Mark Nepo, in our archive as well as many other wonderful individuals you can also connect with me on social media and those buttons uh, are below as well so check out all that is going on including the new issue of 1111 magazine mark has some wonderful events coming up in addition to his regular teaching schedule and traveling around the country in 2020 mark nepo is offering three spiritual journeys Uh, for small groups based in Kalamazoo, Michigan. These journeys are intended to help clear your path and deepen your heart. Each of these circles will explore the practice of being human as an applied art of spirit while unfolding the dynamics we all encounter in our struggles to enliven and inhabit a full life. People can always find events and Mark's teaching schedule at his websites. Uh, One is marknepo.com, that's M-A-R-K-N-E-P-O.com or at 3 Intentions. 34 years ago, in his mid-30s, he was working hard at becoming a good poet. When he was thrust into a journey with cancer, the torque of that experience pulled him from all of his goals and routines and aspirations, and he was left in the raw, uncertain simplicity of being alive and trying, by any means possible, to stay alive. He had few native gifts to help him through, and one closest to his heart was the aliveness of expression that lived below his want to be a poet. And so he began to journal daily about the deepest fears, feelings, pains, and dreams, about the prospects of living and dying. And writing became his way to climb out of where he was. It was a rope of honest expression, day by day into the tomorrows that came. It became a muscular and tender, honest space in which he began to access his own inner healing. And through this book, Drinking from the River of Light, he provides you access to do the same. Step by step, there are exercises and processes and journaling inquiries that allow you to move through the many different points in this book and access your own mode of expression. I wanted to talk a little bit, Mark, about uh, the two noble intentions that expression has. You say it it tries to say what is unsayable and it mm. also bears witness yeah. to what is what is available. So talk a little bit more about sure. that. Sure.
2: So I think that you know the 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 purpose of all art one purpose deep purpose is to marry what is with what can be. And you know we have lots of of philosophers, authors, you know, writers, teachers who focus on one or the other, you know, either on a uh, a transcendent sense of let's focus on the ideal, let's get out of here. It's too difficult, or we want to get to a per, you know a place of imagined perfection, and the other that says you know let's let's dwell in only what's real. And that's all there is. Everything else is an illusion, and you know. And and I think that we are const- just the way seeds before they sprout from the ground. Um, I think. Our better angels, what is possible, is always waiting to be watered into the world of what is real. So these two kind of noble intentions is, you know, one is uh, to bear witness to what is, you know, to help us uh, through expression, uh, see what is true. And as Keats said, what you know, you need truth and beauty. That's all you need, you know. That, and that, that beauty will restore us with its overall wholeness, and truth will restore us with its its stark wholeness. So, when you know, a great example of of bearing witness and is you know Pablo Neruda, the great Pablo Neruda, uh, Chilean poet and won the Nobel Prize in 71. He died in 73. But he was in Spain in the 30s and had befriended Garcia Lorca, the great Spanish poet. And he was there during the the Civil War, the Spanish Civil War, which was very brutal. And he has a line in a poem from that time that says, the blood of the children on the sidewalk is like the blood of children on a sidewalk. And what he so powerfully affirms there is that when when what is before us either difficult or wondrous is so clear our job is to bear witness as it is if we use a metaphor there we're distancing ourselves from the truth and beauty of what is and we need to help each other see it receive it and work with it so there metaphors can get in the way but in in everything else In the world of meaning, in the world of presence, in the world of spirit, in the inner world that is always trying to manifest out in the physical world, the things that matter can't be seen. Love, spirit, truth, you know, anger, loss, grief, all of these things, and anger goes back to hurt. Where are they? You can't really hold them. So we need metaphor and we need images to say that it is like, you know, just to use Neruda again, he has a poem that recalls when he was a boy, a teenager, he was horribly, painfully shy. And he has an image in that poem that says, I was so shy, I was li- it was like being a hurt dog crying from the bottom of a well. Now, there's a wonderful example of saying what's unsayable. Shyness. What is that like? What does it look like? Well, th- here's a way it's like, it's like, and his heart gave him what it was like. So <clears throat> our job, and this is not this is not whether we write poetry or write uh, anything, the words are the trail, but to stay close to what is alive and to bring ourselves alive, we need to bear witness to what is and give voice to all that is powerful but unseeable and unsayable and in a way you know literature true literature is the trail of our attempts to say what is unsayable in fact i think the only things you know worth trying to say are the things that are unsayable
1: mm-hmm. and you spoke to the dark busyness that inhabits our world and it is from the conditioning or this um, push and need to produce and and endlessly produce and and then just move right past that. But there's also a flip side, and that is for individuals where they hold back or they feel insecure or um, don't have a powerful enough voice, Mm. if it is a mode of writing or art or something like that. In one of your sections, you talk about the power of the inner critic and the struggle between that and the strength of self-acceptance. Speak a little bit to those two points. Yeah,
2: you know, one of the things, we have this great gift, being human, of this remarkable thing called the mind. And the mind has a lot of gifts. And it also has, like anything, a lot of liabilities or difficult, you know, uh, challenges, And one of those is self-consciousness. You know, and Merton, Thomas Merton, wonderfully said, eyes were not meant to see themselves. They were meant to look in or out, but not at themselves. And so we do, you know, so we can say, okay, well, I won't look at myself. Well, we will because we're human. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's not to say we won't. It's to course correct when we do. And so... It is this disempowering thing where we, through self-consciousness, we watch ourselves. And, you know, uh, Borges, the great Argentinian writer, has a poem called The Watcher. He calls the self-critic his watcher. And he gets so frustrated that all the time, you know, I'm watching myself. And when, as soon as you watch yourself, you're no longer where you are. You're, you're drawn into a world of comparison of, oh, I'm less than or more than mm. than what I imagined or the person next to me or what I hope to be. And so one of the things I've learned very deeply in my life uh, through the years is is that whenever we count or compare, we're not pre- present. Whenever we count or compare, we're not present. And so, you know, I could feel I couldn't feel, let's say you and I are in a conversation, and and you know, I feel like you've judged me, and I respect you, so it hurts. Like, oh no, oh no. Cimarron thinks this. oh my God, you know. And so if I start as soon as I start understandably watching myself with you, going over what just transpired again and again, trying to make it come out better, we all do this. Trying to make me, myself feel, well, she didn't really mean it. She, I think she was really saying this. Well, whether I count or compare up or down, I've stopped being present. And the only thing that can restore my sense of worth is presence. Because presence connects us directly to the mystery of life and the authority of our own being. Which connects to the authority of all being. So our challenge constantly to to right size and to quiet the self critic, the inner critic, is to drop it and be present. And, mm,
1: and you talked about the the eyes looking out and looking in, and particularly, and you even spoke to it that when you were young, younger as a, a poet. There is this desire to be ambitious, or artists are desiring to to imagine their own greatness. So they stay in that place of of looking outward, and that takes us away from that presence that you speak of. But Absolutely. then we start to rationalize why we need to do that. And you, you go back in the book and you talk about the opposite of rational is irrational, and it becomes intuitive. So how then do we move from um, inner critic to self-acceptance to really following that place of intuition as a, an artist or a writer or an expressive to know that we're feeding that inner self uh, and it's not so important that we attain the heights that that so often we're conditioned to believe are what the holy grail well, is
2: I think I think that it it for me and you know what I share are examples not instructions for me it has been to and I was thrust into this through almost dying and still being here. That I don't have to go, you know, the menacing assumption that keeps all of us away from self acceptance is the assumption that life is happening other than where we are. Mm. There is no there, there is only here, and so, and the only way to access that. Is through present, you know, Parker Palmer, um, who is a wonderful friend and dear mentor and a great visionary educator. If people who are listening haven't heard of Parker Palmer, um, uh, you know, he, he we recently, um, I was with him to celebrate his 80th birthday and we were in conversation as we always are. And he said this wonderful thing: he said, There is only one reality and the only way to access it is by being real. And for all of my books, all of my work, I had never noticed that the word reality (coughs) contains the word real. Mm. There is only one reality. And the only way to access it is by being real and authentic. And this brings us back to that where we are and who we are, everyone deals with difficulty. We can imagine that we Oh, I'd like to be in your life because you appeared not to have difficulty. Well, that's not true. Everyone has difficulty. Everyone goes through pain, loss, fear, worry, anxiety. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, how much you write, how much you know, how much you study. I am not exempt after all of what I've been through from these things. So how do we, it's by being present and real that we start to discover in our conversation with life and how do we do that through some personal form of expression that we become more and more accepting that actually life is wherever we are. And that's the, that's the great gift of being in the moment is that if we are fully in the moment, we are we are introduced and welcomed into the heart of every moment. So, you know, eternity, we're taught that eternity is like this endless ladder of years, one on top of another. Well, that's not my experience. My experience is that <clears throat> inside every moment is all moments. If I open my heart and, I, and I'm present to it, if I stop counting and comparing, with either another, or the future, or the past, then I am returned to discovering life where we are. And then we're in conversation with life, and the the trail of that is our expression, is our the art, is the truth of our conversation with life. So it all begins with you know i don't need you know when i was a young writer like all artists i was taught or told to be on the look for good material well i've learned again by by almost not being here uh, that i don't have to look for good material everything is miraculous you know the reward the reward is having a lens on the ordinary That opens it to the extraordinary and that means how do I do that by being present. This is why all the meditation traditions, you know, try to return us to this precious ultimate resource that wherever I am, if I give my full attention, the power of life and spirit will start to present itself.
1: Each of us must find the one form that will welcome the questions that will liberate our mind. That form and the path to that form may look different for everyone, but there is one practice that can help us find our form. Martinipo says that this practice is the practice of honoring, for the word honor means to keep what is true in view. This way of learning is available to everyone as we meet and learn from the moments of our lives. And so Mark invites you to perceive and express your way through the book, Drinking from the River of Light, to write your way through the topics and the stories by way of a journal. To help with the process, he offers invitations at the end of each chapter, which include prompts to write and to be in conversation with a friend or a loved one. For conversation, the art and practice of truly listening to ourselves and each other, Is a restorative mode of reflection in essence conversation is an agile and ever-present means of healing that is always very near if you're not in a place to converse with another you have that conversation with yourself in your journal on a walk or at a cafe you can find these exercises and practices along with some beautiful writings as precursors and guides into those places in the book drinking from the river of light The Life of Expression by Mark Nepo, the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Book of Awakening. You can find out more on his website about all of his books and the many events that he has going on in addition to his speaking and tour schedule at marknepo.com. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www1111 magcom 1111mag.com. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: My guest today is Mark Nepo and we are celebrating his new book Drinking from the River of Light. Meaningful art, enduring art, and the transformative process it awakens keeps us alive, is what Mark says. With drinking from the river of light, this best-selling poet and philosopher will lead you on a journey to discover just how art and authentic expression can bring your deepest truths to bear in the world. In this collection of interconnected essays and poetry, he covers subjects ranging from the importance of staying in conversation with other forms of life to a consideration of how innovators such as Matisse, Rodin, and Beethoven saw the world. Mark presents a lyrical ode to the creative urge that stirs in each of us. And whether it's a search for metaphor to reveal life's beauty or the brushstroke that will thoroughly capture a moment, Drinking from the River of Light examines what it means to go beyond the boundaries of art where the viewer and the participant are one. You can find out more about this book and all of the events coming up, including the 2020 retreats that he has planned on his website at marknepo.com. Mark, I want to go a little bit into how art can show up, because there are people that are out there that feel like they don't know how to unearth that expressive ability. And yet we do this in a very subtle way. And you pointed to it in your book, and it has to do with social media. Social media is allowing for that artistic expression. It is allowing for that communal sense. It is allowing for us to bear witness to our own lives and to allow someone else to also bear witness. Um, Speak a little bit to how you see social media and how it can support and be a help to the creative and expressive process and where that line of hindrance
2: comes. Well, sure. Thank you. And I, and I think because, you know, anything can be a tool, and like, like just a simple hammer or a screwdriver, and we can use it to build something or repair something, or we can use it and it can be destructive. And so there's nothing wrong with social media or technology. Um, you know, it's inert. Um, I love social media and take look at how we're talking right now, um, as if we're in the same room. Now, that doesn't replace our being in the same room, but if we can't be in the same room, this is a great a great way to, to approach that. So, so what does all that mean? So, a couple of things, and then we'll, we'll get more directly to I think that We have to meet life, existence, with an inner life, an inner journey. It doesn't mean we have to have things figured out, but an inner journey. Otherwise, existence will fill us the way water fills any empty hole. It's just, it's like spiritual physics. And so we have to meet what is outer with what is inner. Otherwise, so what does that mean? That means this is one of the detriments of technology. If we are not using technology to pursue why we're here, who we are, how are we relating, what is true, what is authentic, what does it mean to be kind? If we're not, then the characteristics of technology will by default become our default values. Not because it's instructing us, not because it's evil, but because we're not meeting what is inner with what is inner. So then, if we're using technology and we're not pursuing an inner life or what it means to truly be here authentically, then we become split. We then we do think life is where we're not. Then we're always invoking this thing of fear of missing out. Then we're mo- nothing is moving fast enough and we're not responding fast enough. And we have the illusion of being connected while remaining isolated. So that's the detriment. And it also empowers us, you know, the, the value of any technology is to claim who we are and be who we are and not to voice ourselves anonymously and hide and pretend that we are out there. So those are the, the, the lines, but it's, you know, wonderfully, you know, you look at things, you know, like the, the Arab Spring a few several years ago, where it was through Facebook and social media that uh, democracy arose in the Middle East in various places. So it became an enormous tool or conduit. And that's the, the real thing. You know, there, there's been lots of studies done in, uh, recently in the last, say, 5, 10 years that show that if we rely on social media to give us an illusion that we're in relationship See, if it's a means for you and me to be in deeper relationship, that's wonderful. But if I think that this is all there is, then I'm drained of, I think I'm connected and we get off and I'm still alone in my room and I'm not.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is
2: this-
1: This passage speaks to what you're talking about right now, but it also goes into something that we were discussing on the commercial break. For being here without looking away leads us into the magic of liberty, and letting life play its song of a thousand moods through our heart leads us into the timeless river. When faithful to a life of expression, we can discover the moment of being that belongs to everyone and know whatever moment we are in is home. No matter the Press and Hurry of the World, What Matters Comes Slowly. And in regard to uh, whether it is us moving through our lives quickly and trying to get it out there on social media or really delving into the connection standpoint, or what we were speaking to at commercial break in regard to um, sometimes certain projects are are, are slow going and, and they're meant to be slow. I, I was speaking of a series of books that I'm writing, and it's been the longest span I've ever uh, I've ever imagined, but yet it feels the richest. It feels the most present. Talk a little bit about that point of allowing things to well, what matters does come slowly. Yes,
2: yeah, And theme, it returns
1: us to the foundational moment. That's another point you made.
2: Yeah. Things that matter take time. There's no way around it. You know, it, it, the lightning speed of technology is a wonderful tool but it's not a code to live by and things that matter still take time. And, and so this is again, where, where, when we have a life, a personal life of expression, whatever that may be, it allows life to be our teacher. I don't write books because I have things. I'm going to create something out of nothing. Each book is an inquiry and a conversation and is the trail of my conversation with life by which I hope to be more connected, more inhabited and more in kinship, all to be brought more alive. You know, here there's a powerful, you know, the, there's the chapter about the wind phone at the end of the book, which is so powerful. I quickly tell that story. Um, because it, it really is at the heart, you know, under all technology and all things, the, this amazing power of expression. And this is in 2010 when there was a tsunami in Japan. And, you know, thousands of people were lost in a, in a, in a long moment, a long horrific moment. And in an aftermath, in a, a town, a small town in Japan, there was a, a gardener who was feeling such grief and he didn't he had no way to to help himself or what to do and so his intuition and we were talking earlier beyond just logic his deep connection through his grief through being real he he had an old there was an old phone booth he put it in the middle of his garden and there was an old rotary phone and it wasn't connected to anything it was just you know out there and he got in the booth and he dialed his loved ones who he lost and to speak to them, to voice his grief. And somehow it helped. Even though it was through a phone that was not connected to, quote, anything, it became the vehicle by which he could connect to those he lost and express his grief. And so pretty soon, word got around in the rubble and in the terrible aftermath of the tsunami that... Hey, this guy had a wind phone in his garden where you could talk to your loved ones. And literally over months, thousands of people made pilgrimage to take their turn in this broken down phone booth. And, you know, you could to talk to their loved ones through a phone that was connected to nothing. And you could say, well, isn't that sad? And I would say to you, it's heroic. Mm -mm. It's because they, that this is a profile of inner courage to allow your expression and your heart to find a way to say what is unsayable and to speak what is unspeakable in order to return to life whole on the other side of such un, unimaginable loss.
1: Regardless of the art form that calls us, we must find the vibrant center of truth that waits beneath all names, whether by going into ourselves completely or out of ourselves completely. In this way, the life of expression is always concerned with the internal search for meaning. In this way, we are constantly writing our way into our lives and living our way into our writing. In this way, autobiography becomes a conversation between our soul and the oversoul. Whether swimming with or against the current, a fish can never be understood outside of the water it lives in, and an individual soul can never be understood apart from the world it is born into. The heart of awakening is the quietly courageous act of feeling what is ours to feel and facing what is ours to face. And Mark has discovered along the way that writing and expressing is one of the best ways to stay awake. It doesn't matter how good our expressions are, but that they keep us in relationship to the larger universe we are a part of. This is from Drinking from the River of Light, The Life of Expression by Mark Nepo, his latest book. I invite you to check him out on his website at marknepo.com to also explore the spiritual journeys that he's offering for 2020. Uh, the small group journeys that can support you in clearing your path and deepening your heart. You can find out more about all of that at marknepo.com or threeintentions.com. I also invite you to join me next week when my guest is Humble the Poet, and we are diving into his books Unlearned and Things No One Can Teach Us. Thank you, Marknepo, for coming back in and being a friend of 1111 Talk Radio. It is always a pleasure. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality.